Hey, everybody, welcome to A World on Fire Season 2. And in an effort to cover more Elseworld stories, I am here with all three of my compadres that you've already heard in issues one, two, and three coverage. Uh, issue one, I had covered with uh, Mr. Sean Ross. Issue two, I had covered with my buddy Ross Aiken. And issue three, I'd covered with Martin Gray. And all three gentlemen are here joining me now for the culmination of uh, this storyline. Kingdom Come, and uh, issue four is uh, quite the uh, violent dandy here, and I cannot wait to talk to it with you guys. Uh, Sean, how are you? I'm doing well. I'm doing well. I'm super excited to uh, come back. I was on issue one, and so it's nice to come back to do the bookend, and uh, it's yeah, I'm excited to talk about it with everybody. It's it's I hadn't revisited this in a little bit and uh, forgot how hard it hits at the end. Mm, yeah, you're not kidding. And Ross, you and I covered issue two, and uh, I hope you are caffeinated. You know, for those that may not know, you're uh, working a tremendous amount of hours <laughs> right now. So I thank you for making the time to join us here. Yeah, I'm still riding the first wave of caffeine when we're done here. I'm going to re-up before I get, <laughs> I get to go back to work. Um, I, and to, yeah, I am working. And to I, like Sean, hadn't read this in a long time. And I only read one and two uh, before I recorded with you. So this last night I read them, and then in between phone calls today at work, I read it again. And I forgot. I mean, I always remember it as being so really good, but I forgot how amazing this fourth issue is. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been yeah. a long time, so. Yeah, it's only four issues, but I feel like a lot happened in the three issues leading up to this one. So it's, uh, it's action-packed here. But uh, Mr. Mark Gray, how about you, sir? I another one who hadn't read this for quite a while. In fact, not since the original came out, which probably tells something about how much I thought of it. I mean, I was very, very impressed by the whole thing. But I'm glad that I got to do three and then come straight into four. I mean, I've read the whole thing again. But given how bad my memory, it's <laughs> and we'll recall this a few a few weeks after the last one. It's good to be able to go straight into four. And yeah, very very good there is a lot there to talk about, and I'm looking forward to it. Mm -hmm. Yeah, we uh, we all recorded, you know, separately. Everybody, you know, hopefully up until now has listened to uh, the separate coverage of issues one, two, and three. And uh, like I said, I covered those, you know, each with one of you guys. And we're all coming together here for the fourth one, which is, you know, the big uh, battle issue and the resolution, I guess, if you will. I know there were some uh, some other, uh, you know, uh, stories tied to this one after this one. But they they pretty much, you know, they if they would have stopped here and never did anything related to this, I think, uh, you know, it's it's got a pretty good ending to it. What do you guys think? How about you, Sean? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I'm actually, I might be in the minority. I'm a big fan of the sequel. Oh, you're called... not. <laughs> oh, okay, good. It's called The Kingdom. And it's it's most famously where Mark Wade invents hypertime, the idea that, you know, every story happened. It's, it's all just, you know, in sort of an either... The multiverse was gone at that point because of crisis. So this is kind of his his way to get around that. But like every story happened and it's all possible and they all could come crashing together again if you wanted. And and that really opens the DC universe back up after that. It's yeah, I think crypto comes back after that. And you start seeing some of the like stuff from, you know, the, the more beloved stuff from pre-crisis start peppering in, which is really wonderful. So I, I really like the sequel. But however, you're completely correct. This is a complete story. It stands alone. Um, you know, it, it has a very, very satisfying re resolution, uh, you know, an ending as a story. You know, I mean, there's there's definitely some troubling bits in there to talk about, but I, I don't feel like I'm missing anything when I finish this. So I, I would recommend to folks to check out The Kingdom, you know, and, and some people are kind of precious about it. It's it's, you know, 
I get it because it's like when they do they build off the Watchmen universe, and I'm like, no, 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 no. But then I watched the Watchmen show on HBO, and I was like, yes, yes, like this is wonderful. Um, so anyway, I, I get why some people don't want there to be anything building off of this, but the, the Kingdom is really good, and and but this it stands alone beautifully as its own work. I mean, there's a reason I don't think it's ever been out of print since it first came out. Mm-hmm. Yeah, the edition I got only came out just a few short years ago. It's a really nice hardcover edition with all the extras in the back, and I think I got it for twenty bucks. It, it's just phenomenal edition that they put out yeah sure. i've read the, the, this this edition of a very similar one with all the extras on the dc ultimate app and it's just a, a delight and it's also great to find out who all these zillions of background figures are yeah it's a 20th anniversary deluxe edition it says on the inside first page there so yeah beautiful yeah. job uh, got to give dc credit for that I've been eyeballing that on eBay because I had they had a nice leather bound slip case oh. years ago that had the book and then it had a it red leather and then it had a gold another one that had all the extras plus a fold out chart of all the covers of who was on them and the mm. character names. Wow. And I bought the absolute and I gave it to a buddy of mine as a gift. Here's the slip case. I've got this. This has it all in. And then I had years later I had to sell, you know, yeah, you purge. Mm-hmm. And I purged the absolute and I've got my fourth edition trusty 1997 trade back of it. And every time I mention, yeah, I really missed that slipcase one. My buddy goes, yeah, and you're never getting it back. <laughs> oh. <laughs> but I no, no, he's one of my best friends. So I'm like, I don't blame you. But it's what I like about it is after reading it again and like and Watchmen is a good example, too, that this is one of those books that you just read it. It's. It's so good out of you don't need to worry about any continuity before really I mean before, but it's its own it's its own beast. It's like a not like a great novel. It it is what it is because it is so complete. There is no there's nothing missing from it. You know, and it has such and the and the ending is so good that I mean it just works as a single piece of art all by itself. Absolutely true. Yeah, when we I guess pretty much anyone picking it up is going to know know the icon: Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman, Captain Marvel, and mostly the background characters. As I implied previously, we don't really know much about them other than occasionally the odd name and being able to intuit who who they're related to. You can just get straight in, enjoy the book, glory in the art, and have a think about what you would have done in the hero's position. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and this is, I mean, pretty early in uh, Alex Ross's career, and I'm just still blown away at, you know, how young in his career he was and how fantastic this looks. It looks like something he could have drawn, you know, last week. I just, that blows my mind. I think he was that good already. <laughs> I just can't believe it. But yeah, this is, uh, like I said, Kingdom Come number four, and it's a uh, cover dated October 1996, but it was on sale somewhere around August 14th uh, in 1996. And of course, like I said, it's a uh, pencils, inks, and colors by uh, Alex Ross. And then uh, uh, our buddy Mark Wade uh, is the uh, story man, and Todd Klein was the letterer. So, you know, we we did see, you know, last time I recorded was with Mark, and we did see at the end of that issue how, you know, we knew where issue four was going to open up. You know, Superman was heading towards uh, the prison that had just been uh, kind of, uh, I don't want to say blown up, but, you know, uh, uh, Luthor had a plan to uh, get all the prisoners out of there and cause all this chaos. So, you know, he could kind of uh, swoop in and pick up the pieces and uh, look like a hero in the end here. But Superman was on his way to kind of stop that from happening. And uh, we saw uh, Captain Marvel standing over him as if uh, he's going to uh, stand in his way at any cost of helping the fight here. And that's how it opens up. Like all the issues have with like one of these pages that 
you know, Ross did a great job with where, you know, things are kind of in shadow. You can tell who uh, the characters are for the most part that are fighting with each other here. But uh, I, I really like uh, the, the green. There's like a green haze in the background. It almost looks like some kind of explosion maybe uh, took place here. And, uh, you know, we have our two uh, main characters right up front uh, getting ready to start uh, fighting with each other, which, you know, I, I do like to see villains fight villains and heroes fight heroes sometimes. But sometimes it makes me a little like, oh, I don't really want to see them fight. And uh, Superman and Captain Marvel are two people I really don't like to see fighting. So I was just kind of like so it's sort of even like a tiny bit sad about this. So uh, what were your thoughts here on this initial page, uh, Mark? It's very, it's, you know, very, very evocative. I mean, it just speaks to me. It just says myth, mythic, you know, a mythical fight. And I mean, the, the little biblical verse or whatever it is, there was lovely Todd Klein lettering. I think I said in the last episode, I wasn't, I wasn't that keen on, on all the, all the biblical bits here and there because it just seems to be trying, trying too hard. I mean, superhero stories are powerful enough without having to tie them back, back to biblical prophecy. But it sets the scene for the spread that follows and, and the page after page of incredible fighting. And yeah, I mean, this really is one for the ages, this battle and that first page tells you that. Mm, yeah. What did you think of that first uh, double page spread, Ross? That is just crazy. This huge fight here. Oh, I love it. I mean, I'm a huge, because uh, what, this is Ross's second thing. Cause his Marvel's before this, right? Yes. Yeah. I, yeah. yeah. And and I love Marvels, but this is just because Marvels kind of a little more static because it's told from the everyman point of view, where this is the everyman witnessing close up the hero world. It just it's so dynamic, and that the char- his character designs are so good. His like his able to his his ability to leap ahead in the future twenty years from whenever then you know when then when this was written to what how heroes would be then is so good and that it's such a great fight scene and he's so detail oriented i mean this is this would make george perez blush <laughs> because mm-hmm. the number yeah. of moving pieces in it and it is it's not cluttered it's not it's all you know it's a lot of a lot of different action but it's all one and it's just so it flows so well yeah, my eye doesn't know where to go to when I look at this yeah. two-page spread, just if I kind of step back and look at it. Obviously, you know, we have Superman and Captain Marvel up front, though, right, Sean? Yeah, and and that's, you know, we talked about this with issue one. You know, this is early in Ross's career, and, you know, this is beautiful. I mean, this is poster-worthy. But where he has has not yet grown where he will as he gets, you know, older is in his composition really know, drawing the reader, you know, telling them visually where to go. And so, you know, there, there is a lot of chaos here. And it, it kind of reminds me of when I was like, in, and I don't mean this, I, this, I don't mean this insultingly at all, but do you remember when you were in like fourth grade and you had like a, the, the PG folders and, and you would draw like, I don't know, like you'd be bored in class and you draw like superheroes fighting superheroes or, or like a Star <laughs> Wars space battle. It, it just, it, it feels very like um, cluttered, it, you know, designed to be a poster and but I again, it's it's the I don't know exactly where to focus. And so I lose a lot. And that's, you know, kind of the, the story of the art in this book for me. It's brilliant. It's beautiful. You know, it's a nine point nine out of ten. The point one will come later in his career, which makes sense, which is his ability to to do a little bit more storytelling and a little bit more with page composition. But it's yeah, I mean, it's gorgeous. And, you know, I love 
you know, you said you you don't like when Superman and Captain Marvel fight. And I don't like that they're always opposed to each other or, or quite often. Uh, but I do. It does remind me of, uh, you know, there's this podcast called The World on Fire, an all-star squadron podcast uh, <laughs> that you may have heard of. And you and I actually covered the issues, the two-parter, where mm-hmm. the Fawcett characters are brought over to Earth 2, you know, by some some magic-y, magic-y, Spear of Destiny stuff. And they there's a newspaper article about Captain Marvel, and Superman sees it and has an immediate dislike, like an immediate dislike <laughs> for him. Yeah. And he's like really, really kind of pissy about oh well, he could fly he's super strong and even the other all-stars are like oh whoa like somebody's a little jealous so so i think it's interesting that that even roy you know even roy thomas writers you know as far back as that have always kind of picked up on that tension between them um but yeah i i, I could go the rest of my life without seeing superman and captain marvel fight again mm-hmm. yeah and i'm you know when you, you want to read something just uh, for you know your pleasure you just read it and you don't really take a critical eye to it or look for certain things sometimes but of course since we're going to sit here and talk about it you know i think okay well maybe he wants my eye to be on superman and captain marvel which is cool but what about all these other characters and i'm a little surprised he didn't make wonder woman a little more prominent and we'll we will uh, get to wonder woman won't we uh (laughs) (laughs) yes we will um, I, I was a little, yeah, surprised he didn't make uh, her and Batman even a little more prominent. You know what I mean? That that kind of struck me a little bit when I looked at this. What uh, what do you think, uh, Mark? I think I think you're right. I mean, because as you're saying, I was trying to remind myself where she is in the composition. She's quite small in the middle, and just yeah, the the I mean, the points you've been making, guys, about the composition is spot on because you, you don't know where because it's just one big melee, and there's don't you don't really have the the different sort of levels the level of different fields of battle is just seem to be all you know some figures are bigger but they're all pretty much in the one in the one space visually and one one was right one with batman with batman but right here you know given that she's one of the pivotal characters she should be in the opening spread far more obviously than she is Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know we're going to have some uh, Norman uh, discussion later uh, in the episode here, too, as well. Um, I can't wait to hear you guys uh, talk about that POV character here where he's kind of looking down on this with the Spectre and he's, you know, like, you know, taken aback by it. And he says to the Spectre, like, you know, for the love of God, do something, you know, make it stop. And he just says, I cannot. I can take no action. And he says, not yet. And of course, Norman's just like, you know, why not? You know, what has to happen? How much time must pass? And he says, there will be a reckoning, Norman McKay. Be prepared. As the scriptures say, fear God and give glory to him. And I'm like, I thought that was interesting, too, because I don't feel like during the series so far, other than when it showed Norman, who's a minister uh, in his church, they really ever referenced God like that. I thought that was an interesting uh, interesting of way to insert that there, because we did have those you know, very first pages that had the you know, a biblical kind of uh, prophecy there uh, that Mart had alluded to at the beginning of every issue. But it, it, like I said, other than, you know, when it talked about Norman being a minister and like when he was in church and when he kind of realized like nobody's listening to me anymore uh, because he started to get a little, trying to think of a, a, a nice way to say it, um, kind of like the, instead of a, a loving kind of uh, church leader, more of the uh, pulpit pounder kind of guys as yeah. uh, they would be referred to. So I, I thought that was interesting that Wade inserted that here. I kind of thought, I wonder why you made that decision. Any any thoughts on that, anybody? I had one that because the he chooses a reverend because Superman's had a loss of faith, whether it be, you know, in himself. Mm-hmm. And McKay's not the same preacher he was because it's a world of super people 
is there a God? His, you know, the re- his faith is broken. Um, mm-hmm. And I don't know if they get a resolution, but I think he's leaning really heavy into that. That my universal worldview has been broken somehow. How do I create a new one for myself? A new, you know what I mean? Because mm-hmm. Superman doesn't see, he doesn't under, you know, he. Kansas made him not want to be a superhero anymore. And Norman doesn't really want to be a minister anymore. It's, I, and that's the way I've always read it. In which case, why is Norman picked by the Spectre or in the, in the position of being the Spectre's anchor, the one, the one who has to make the judgment here, given that he doesn't know where he's at in relation to faith and mankind at the moment? And also, and the Spectre says, you know, he's, he's making reference to that, you know, the moment God's judgment comes down. So if the bomb is going to be God's judgment, why do we have this business in the first place of Norman has to make some decision to help the Spectre make a decision? And then later on, Superman has to, Superman wants Billy to make the decision. I, I don't understand this business at all of, you know, just people, people or God or superheroes deciding whether a bomb drops. I mean, am I just... Yeah. Can I can I jump Sean? in there? Yeah, go ahead. Yeah, Sean. I so I it's funny, Martin. I was rereading it, and I also ha- I had that same moment where I went, oh, so so Norman, you know, there's so many biblical themes happening in this, and Norman in some ways is supposed to be Lot from the Bible, you know, and and an angel comes to Lot in Sodom and Gomorrah and says, can you find me ten thousand good men here? If you can, I won't destroy the city. And Lot's like, no way, ten thousand. And he's like, you know, can you find me a hundred? Can you find me ten? Can you find me one? And so there's a there's a little bit of Norman being sort of the judge of of mankind, and and I like that because in my mind Norman is a humanist. Uh, it's he he's a reverend, and they're they're doing that one because Alex Ross's father was a reverend, and two because you know they're playing up the biblical themes. But really, Norman's a humanist, and the thing that makes him special is that he before anybody before Superman has the moment with Captain Marvel. Norman sees all of these people as human, like like even though the story is trying to elevate Superman and the Justice League to gods, Norman doesn't see them that way. Like he refers to Superman as Clark. And so there's there's like a lot. I I think I think that's an important point. But I had the same moment because the bomb drops and it's it's Billy Batson who judges ultimately what happens. And I thought, well, wait a minute. Why is Norman here? Why have we been following Norman the whole time? And then I came to realize that the judgment the specter is talking about is is Superman at the UN. That that Superman, as much as Superman says that Billy is the only person who walks the line between human and God, it's not true. You know, Clark is is ultimately well. It, it is true in a way in that Clark is not ever a god. You know, Superman is is, is not a mask that Clark wears. He's an extension of Clark's goodness. And so the the moment where Superman's about to break away from that permanently and kill people with without sympathy and you know vulnerable people that i think is the judgment day because if if norman doesn't come and intervene in that moment in the way that he does and and sort of point out hey don't destroy this you know don't destroy sodom and gomorrah like save it instead then the world is lost and and i think that's where i've never read injustice i've never read that series um you know, by Tom Taylor and Bruno Redaldo. And I know because it Redondo, because I know it was based on a video game, which kind of put me off. I, the only comic book I want to read based on a video game is Atari Force. Um, so the um, <laughs> uh, um, so I, I haven't read it, but, you know, the, the premise of it is the same. It's like I think the Joker kills Lois Lane. Superman kills the Joker and then becomes this 
psycho despot, which I don't like at all because I don't believe that Lois Lane is the only thing holding him to humanity. I think the, his entire life is humanity. So I, I, I had the same confusion, Martin, but I, I think if you see the, that there are two moments of judgment, there's the bomb moment, and that's Billy's, and then there's the Superman moment, and that's Norman's. And in a very weird way, the Superman moment is the bigger moment because an evil Superman or a Superman who's that broken and lost would really – I mean the world would be lost. Like like there's no hope for humanity then. So that's my read. I don't know what, what you guys think of that. Yeah, that's that's great, great, great commentary. I mean – but what a, what a horrible portrayal of Superman. The, the idea that sort of Superman would be so upset by the bomb, which, you know, be upset by the bomb, that you would – rush straight out there and be thinking of vengeance upon the, the normal human beings. And I mean, and Billy and I talked last time about the similarity between this and Injustice and whether Tom Taylor was partly inspired by this this storyline. But yeah, you've, you've certainly illuminated that for me. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, it's, it's tough. I mean, it seems like it's a, I don't want to say a, a Superman redemption story or Norman, but it seems like, you know, Norman and Superman are kind of on the same path in life that they've lost their way and they're trying to get back on it. And uh, they do get back on it, but man, it takes a lot to get them there. A lot, of, a lot of people die in the meantime, which is it's a really, it's a really one of these stories that really gets you to think and talk and debate things because you know I think it drew a lot of parallels to, I, it can it draws a lot of parallels to many different times in mankind's existence. If I think about it, it's just like wow, this is this is a really heavy story. Yeah, and, and I think the the interesting thing is you said you said redemption, and I think that's an important word. Because I do think it's a, a super, I think it, it is a Superman redemption story, and and mm-hmm. I also think ultimately it's a, a redemption of the world story. Now, I it's funny that the Jewish guy is making this comment, but I, I think Superman is supposed to be Christ in this, right? Like I think Superman, this is like a redemption of the world story. Like in mm-hmm. Superman being saved by a human, all humanity is saved. So I definitely think they're they're going for it. Like it's this isn't a this isn't a quiet story. Wade and Ross are like, hey, yeah. let's retell the Bible. You know, like basically they're they're going big, which is awesome because it, it adds all those great overtones to it. Ultimately, what I love about it is the humanity of Superman. Like I, I always struggle. A good character test for me is if you're a comic book fan and you don't like Superman, I kind of wonder what kind of human you are. Like I kind of wonder what kind of person you are. <laughs> you could not like an arc or a creator or a run or whatever. But if ultimately you're the in the Superman is boring camp, I wonder what it is you think about humanity at large. So so I, I do I, I do think it is a redemption story, Billy. I think you hit it on the head. Mm, yeah, it's and I mean, I think, you know, there's this huge battle going on. And obviously the at the crux of it is Captain Marvel and Superman, because with the two of them being as powerful as they are, uh, you know, they they both either together or independently could have kind of put a stop to this. And that's the whole point. And that's why, you know, Luthor. You know, we saw up to this point, he is kind of like, for lack of a better explanation, mind controlling uh, Captain Marvel here. And him and Superman are going nuts fighting left and right. And of course, in the background, there's all this chaos and basically killing going on. But I thought to myself, too, like, I understand Superman getting pissed about uh, a nuke. But I also think to myself, put yourself in, you know, mankind's, uh, you know, place, you know, swap places with them, Superman. What were they like? What else are they supposed to do when? these superpowered beings couldn't, you know, destroy the planet within, you know, a day. You know I mean? What else, what else could they have done to try to put a stop to that? Like, that's really all they could have done, you know? So I thought, I don't know if like he should be really that pissed off about it. What about it, Mark? 
that's a very very fair point. It pretty much goes back to what I was saying. I can't I can't see why Superman was so shaken that it would sort of destroy his his connection to humanity so much that he would consider or not even consider but that he would sort of fly to the Pentagon and stop or the United Nations and stop thinking he might kill people. I mean, it's just very, very strange. And I don't know whether this has been discussed in the story and I've just forgotten it, but do we get a reason as to why when Billy, adult Billy, turns into Captain Marvel again, why this is the wisdom of Solomon doesn't kick in and break him mm-hmm. from the I, I mean, wondered but, the same thing, Martin. I, I thought the the minute he turned into to Captain Marvel, Mister Mind should have been ejected from his ear. You know, like I I or was blow, like, or blown up. Yeah, I yeah I, I thought the same, same thing. thing. Yeah, I, I think it's I think the idea is that it it just takes some time. Like there's been such a a lifelong whammy on him. Like it's been years and years and years of brain worms and brainwashing that it just takes him a little bit to get back to his core. But but I, I think the 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 question you were asking, Billy. Is you know why is Superman so angry at the bomb? I, he's he's not. I, it's it's you know Norman Norman calls it when, he, when Norman says to the Spectre, "Get me to the UN now. Let me talk to him." Mm-hmm. He's not angry at the bomb. He's not angry at the humans. He's angry at himself. He that's true. He walked away from Clark. He walked away from his humanity, and he turned his back on humanity. Like he was so just you know disillusioned with them and with himself that he you know just became basically like the krypton man like you know this distaff you know isolated person mm-hmm. and he's so hurt and all of these people have died because of him and he does not know how to handle that and so he's reacting in a way he normally would not i mean if you know I, I guess the parallel would be the the three kryptonite you know krypton criminals at the end of john burns superman run right where they they've done so much damage he doesn't know what else to do so he kills them and then that causes him you know, to split personality and leave the planet. Like, so I, I do think there's precedent here for he doesn't know how to process a scale of grief this big. Yeah. And and that's Norman pulling him back is the big moment. So I, I don't think it's the bomb. I think it's all of it. Yeah, I, I'm with you on that because he's detached because, I mean, it's inferred, isn't it, that you weren't there to give us hope. So we, the hero, you know, that's why the hero, the hero community got out of control. There wasn't someone there to be. Superman, mm-hmm. and it keeps or there, going. Or there was somebody there. It was uh, Magog, who's a nut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you know, you were replaced. <laughs> and I also yeah. think, I mean, I really think Wade and Ross in this, it's it's a redemption arc for them, but it's also showing because, I mean, I think I'm the oldest here. Is uh, but watching when comics changed with Crisis, and as they were going, when this was coming out, comics were pretty dark. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, starting in 83, you know, where, what is it? Whenever Watchmen and Batman, uh, Dark Knight Returns comes in and it was getting really dark. And I think this was kind of the, they went, well, Superman is the preeminent hero from before all that. He shows hope. What would it be like if he went away? And I think it's, it's not, it's, it's more redemption. I mean, I just think it's redemption for mankind for all the heroes and for superman they just used him as the linchpin because is if you take that optimistic version of superman out of the mix what world do you get but superman i mean you, you won't find a bigger superman fan than myself but i think i the idea that superman is so pivotal in the dc universe that if he goes away all the other heroes you know either drift away or lose their moral center or 
have some personal crisis, it just really diminishes them. It makes them seem like sheep who just need to get like, the ball. It's, they all, you know, so many of them, you know, have their own features, have had billions of stories. Mm-hmm. Think they don't need to be around Superman to save the day. And to me, it's just it's just too Superman worshipful, the whole idea. Well, I mean, isn't Ross like the biggest Superman fan ever? Yeah. And yeah, Wade, Wade, too. Wade, Wade too. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 I mean, that's their kind. I just think they chose him because he was that. I mean, I don't think they could have told the story without it being because Superman was, you know, they could have done it from a Batman center, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah. If I, they I, wanted to. I just think they went, who's the nice, who's the big, who are the two most iconic and pure, I hate to use that word, but you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Heroes you got. It's Captain Marvel and Superman. Yeah. Yeah. Is that I, one of, I, oh, go ahead, Billy. Sorry. Is is that one of the Blackhawks there at the UN? Oh, yeah. Well? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, I'm like, oh, that looks like the little symbol there. I think I didn't realize that because they don't ever say, you know, they don't ever mention that name. So I just thought, oh, I think it is, but I'm not 100% sure. <laughs> yes, it is, it is meant to be. It's in it's in the some of the backup material and, you know, they are pretty, pretty black clear. But like, yeah, okay. That's, it could have been done with, a, with another hero, but. Same argument again in terms of why are the crowds of dozens of heroes who were there already and the younger heroes? Why, where, where is their own moral center? Why, why do they? Why is any one hero so important that their loss, their turning away, would create worldwide chaos for years? Mm. Yeah, I think it's I think it's also this idea of, of the the loss of hope being endemic. Like like it's Superman is is the symbol here. He lose he lost hope, but really everybody did. Like the you know the heroes kind of started falling away. I mean, they say at one point they're talking to Billy and they say Captain Marvel retired early, didn't he? Like he he sensed yeah. the shift, and and he went like because he was such a pure hero, he sensed the shift before anybody and kind of went away. And and I agree with you, Martin. I I don't like the they sensed the world changing beneath them and went away. Like, I don't, I don't think that's what they would do. If, if they sense the world changing in a way that they don't approve of, they would have sort of tried to be bastions of a better way. Yeah. And so I, I agree with you that the, the resignation part is hard to take, but it's, it's interesting. Cause I, you know, 2023 me reading it, it's like, woof. Okay, yeah, I can, <laughs> I can see the world losing hope. Like, I get that. Like, uh, that 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 hits a little harder now than it did in '96. You know, um, and so I, I I think it's really, it's you know, it's definitely a treatise on the, the violence in comics and the you know Mountain Dew super cool edgy era of the the '90s. <laughs> Though people forget, I, whenever people write off the '90s, I get mad because I'm like, Starman's from the '90s, and that's the yeah. best comic book of all oh, time. Oh, they're gems like, from it. Yeah. Oh my God. Yeah, there are great books in the '90s. So. So anyway, I, um, you know, definitely while that is at play, you know, and they're, and they're saying to comic book fans, hey, there's room for all of this. You can have the Punisher, you can have the edgy heroes, but you also need Superman and you need you need all of it. Like there's room enough in the in the in the toy bin for all of these characters, which I like. But I definitely agree with Martin that as a as a superhero story, I don't think it would like Jake Eric wouldn't have given up barry allen wouldn't have given like you know there there were a lot of i mean pre jeff johns mm-hmm. yeah and killed my mom yeah. or, you know barry allen became the flash because it was the right thing to do and so i do think there were a lot of heroes 
who would have just been like, oh, okay, we'll step up in his stead and, and you know, we'll try to keep things moving. So I, I agree that that's probably the hardest piece to kind of accept. Mm-hmm. Yeah, oh, absolutely. And I like how the UN guy that, you know, basically convinced everyone a nuclear strike was, you know, their only option. Uh, how, you know, we see uh, him in his office just slumped in a chair that he's uh, he, he's already realizing, you know, or it just thinking to himself, I, I don't know if this was the right thing to do. And again, that's that's how you should be, because if you were mm-hmm. like, you know, pounding yeah. your hand down, this is the right thing to do. You, you shouldn't be in that position. <laughs> yeah. I, I love that whole sequence, because when we cut to his office, you see him enter, you see him look out as the planes go. He sits down in the background. You see a picture of his family. Mm-hmm. In the next panel, uh, the specter and Norman and Norman are walking past watching him. And the mug says world's best dad. Yeah, because that mm-hmm. just shows you who this guy is. Someone's dad just made probably the worst decision in history and knows it because mm-hmm. he's there's something out of control. And his only option is to he thinks is to wipe the heroes off the face of the earth. Yeah, I thought it's Mug said world's finest at first. I'm like, wait a minute. No, no, it says world's best dad. <laughs> <laughs> it oh, would work man. either way, but I would have really liked it if it said world's finest dad. <laughs> yeah, it's really, but man, if they, they go from, they take you right from that moment and wham, like hit you right in the face with the very next page. And it's like right in your face is the action again. And the, the following page after that, I love how, uh, you know, Batman and his, uh, I don't say army of people he's recruited and has, but it, it kind of does look like a, an army of bat, bat related people, bat family people. That's great. They're outsiders. It's the outsiders. Yeah, it's great. I really love that page. Yeah. How about you guys? What do you think, Mark? It really is something I mean I can hear the ride of the Valkyrie just being he's jumping down. <laughs> and very interesting. I mean it's this blue beetle design. That's obviously, you know, influenced the the modern blue beetle Jaime very much so. And but yeah, I see what you mean about the brave and the bold, because you know, people like Wildcat and Green Arrow and Black Canary were forever in the Bob Haney Brave and the Bold, which is one of the mm-hmm. things quite dull to me as a child. He was always with so many blooming street level characters, the creeper. Ugh, sorry, Ange, but yeah, I mean, <laughs> what, what an amazing page. Mm, I love how Batman has a, a bit of a smirk on his face, too, by the way. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> like he's, he's like, like yep. <laughs> yeah, he's gonna enjoy this. It's like, uh, Batman, I don't know, <laughs> dude. This is, uh, you might enjoy, you know, uh, your work as far as being a detective and, you know, this and that in Gotham with a bunch of hoods, but, you know, some of these people were friends, you know, before. Uh, everything started to go downhill. So it's really kind of sad, but uh, he has this giant smirk on his face. <laughs> but, you know, again, the, the important thing and, and the, the the logistics of this are a little wonky. But the the important thing to remember is there that group is there to save lives. Like mm-hmm. they're not taking sides. They're there to try to prevent deaths, which I think is really, really interesting. And I don't think is accidental. It reminds I mean, it takes me right back to the Dark Knight Returns. You know, the opening of that book is this would be a good death. And then the the end of that book is this would be a good life, right? Mm-hmm. And so that that to me that smirk is him like he no matter who he is if he's you know Gregory Peck or you know he's got the smirk on his face he is all about preserving life and he had even kind of gotten away from that until Clark reminded him a little bit so I like that part of it the logistics are a little crazy you know the idea of like. Hey, there are two gangs fighting. Let's throw a third gang in there to to stop things. And it's like, no, that doesn't work. Like, what are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> Just more chaos. Yeah, exactly. I think, yeah, I think now would be a good time to let's discuss Wonder Woman. So, 
Uh, you know, you go to another couple of pages here with this all-out action when the, the the Bat people show up, and we see right away that you know Wonder Woman, it, she's very super super violent uh, in this comic story. I don't know why Wade chose that for her. I understand she's had some trauma in her life, you know, and and it's a little bit's been talked about between like some one-on-one conversations between Superman and Wonder Woman, but it, you know, Batman really he brings it forth uh, in here too to basically say to her like hey you know you're you're in this you're in a bad way here you kind of turned against you know who you used to be because a couple of bad things have happened to you and you know they have a back and forth physically and verbally here and i really really love this i know mart uh, you and uh, for sure i know sean have a lot to say about this so uh, why don't ross why don't you say talk about it first and and then you guys can uh, have at it well i've always thought in this is why is she the one that is the most violent why is she the one who's Bruce hasn't really changed, you know, he's just taken a side, mm-hmm. you know, but where she, and she's taken a side, but she's, she goes to recruit Superman to fix a problem. And she is definitely shown to be part of the problem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, and I don't, and it's always bugged me. It's like, I want to see why she's been changed. We see why Superman's been changed. We know why Batman's been changed. He's talked about it, you know, mm-hmm. uh, and he's just basically he's not stopping Batman. He just has someone else do it for him. Yeah. You know, he's got the army of Batmans or whatever in Gotham. But I don't get I've never liked that. Why she's like this. Why it, there's I mean, I don't mind using these characters as thematic pawns and to tell a certain story, but have a reason they give me a reason for superman they don't and they kind of you know batman has whatever reason batman has but her i don't get why she's here why her character is in this place and i've always found it's very unlike her even the more modern version of her it's Mm -hmm. not her it's always bugged me yeah it feels like she her 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 moral compass has moved the furthest out of you know superman batman wonder woman and, and a lot of other characters as well she's really I don't want to say she's polar opposite of what I think, you know, of when I think of Wonder Woman, but she's definitely gone the furthest because she's like taking her sword and ramming it right through people's chest. Like, you know, I'm going to kill people if that's what it takes to stop these, you know, this this brawl, which, you know, hey, you can always like knock somebody out or, you know, do this or do that. But she's just she basically looks like she has no problem if she has to kill everybody that doesn't agree with her. Because at this point, too, I think there was a scene between her and Superman when they had one of their little one-on-ones. It might have been the one when they were, like, up in space or something like that, where, you know, they, they kind of had a back and forth. And Superman basically said, like, listen, I'm not going to kill anyone. And she kind of was just like, well, that, that that's your problem, pal. <laughs> you know, almost like if that's what it's going to take to get things back to the way it used to be, I, I will kill. And he kind of says, well, I won't because, you know, it, to me, that's a line a, a real hero does not cross. So. Uh, what do you think about this, Mark? Well, it's just utterly horrible, horrible portrayal of Wonder Woman. I mean, in in the comics previously, you know, Wonder Woman at least at least twice had been judged by the Amazon to have failed in a mission to man's world, and both times she just went went back quietly, tried you know tried to be hero on the side while someone else was being Wonder Woman. She didn't double down and think, right, I'm going to be a more violent Wonder Woman because the Amazon way was never about violence. They you know they trained to be the best they could be is exercise and as a thing to do they weren't warriors except when they had to defend themselves from invasion by hercules that sort of thing 
And the idea that she is going to go out there into man's world now and just be skewering people. And as she said at one point, I'm going to force peace. She's, she, I mean, that's dictatorial behaviour. That's She's meant to be going into man's world to teach them the Amazon way, the, the ways of peace, and uh, you know, to lead them towards peace, but not to kill people so that all the all the people who aren't in favour of peace are dead, so you get peace. The only way that would lead to peace is because people are scared of her. And I hate it, and I hate the relationship she has with Superman in this way. She seems to be, be trying to manipulate him with a kiss and with sex. And, I mean, oh, we'll get to the end of the book in terms of that, but... I don't see how Mark Wade got to this Wonder Woman from all the previous portrayals of Wonder Woman we had until that point. John? Yeah, I, I really struggle with her in this book. And I, for, the, for a lot of the same reasons. Now, it's funny, I, I don't, I was, I really loved the George Perez Wonder Woman era. I, I did not have much history with her before that, other than as a member of the Justice League. Loved the Perez version. So that's what's what's imprinted on me. And so my favorite depictions of Wonder Woman tend to, to mimic that. So I really like Greg Rucka's version of Wonder Woman. I like I like the Wonder Woman who will capture the cheetah and then will visit her on every therapy day in in you know in prison to try to help her get back to herself and heal. Like I really like the in my mind, I get when Batman says to her. Oh, the old Amazon paradox, you know, will bring peace at the tip of a sword. Basically, I get that that paradox, but good writers and, and Wade's a great writer. So I'm not saying this, but like really good writers make find the nuance in that where it's like it's peace first. It's peace always. Sometimes you're forced into action. But after, you know, you, you take every preventable step and then once the action is over, you kick back into that mode. And that is where I had some trouble with her here as like the sort of warrior first, you know, she really lost that peace part. Even the, the fact that she has the idea for the gulag and and really presses Superman into it was was probably the most troubling part for me because if, you know, Wonder Woman has an idea for a prison, it's the gentlest prison ever. And it's a prison of rehabilitation and reflection and renewal and restoration it's not, and and they kind of try to half, I don't know, they like the, the prisoners are walking around and there's these videos yelling down at them, but still, yeah, that it just doesn't ring true for me. And so though the way I try to justify it, the mental gymnastics I'm using because I love this this comic <laughs> so much, is that she is even more than Clark. She has really lost hope. she's she's lost her her credo. She's lost her core. He lost his humanity and she lost the Amazonian focus on love and peace as the way towards a better world. And it culminates in the, the murder of Von Dutch or, or Von, sorry, Von, Von Bach. Dutch, Von Bach. Von Dutch is the, the brand. Von Bach. <laughs> um, it culminates in the murder of Von Bach. And then, you know, I guess the Batman kind of pulls her. I, she, she just doesn't really get a redemptive moment. Like I almost needed. Mm-hmm. An, an addendum to this where she gets her moment of like, oh, I lost faith. I've got it back because she's really vile in this. I mean, like Martin said, she manipulates Superman. I, I think the most evil moment in this book is when they're on the satellite and she's like, it's war. We're going to war. 
And Superman says, but people die in war. And she kisses him. And the, and the text even says, there's no love in this kiss. It's like this pedantic, like, oh, you sweet, stupid, naive man. Yeah. Like, I can't even, like, I, I, I just realized you're never really going to understand. So I'm going to step in and do this because you can't. And that's, that would be okay in, in, in another way. Like, I don't mind her being empowered, but it's so pedantic and it's so not her. And I, like, this is not Diana. This is, this is Wonder Woman, but not Diana. So I, I struggle with this depiction too. I think it's a really poor depiction. And I'm glad because Kingdom Come left a big hangover on DC and characters, it, the, the way sort of the Dark Knight did, or, you know, think, you know, the way that Days of Future Past did on the X-Men for years. And I'm really glad that writers didn't lean into this depiction because it, it would have ruined the character, I think. Mm, yeah, I think to me, you guys have read way more Wonder Woman comics than me. But the only thing that fell off to me, I mean, I, throughout the whole thing, I thought she was, you know, way more violent than I'd ever seen her. But the point where her and Bruce here, you know, are going at it verbally and he really touches a chord with her to the point where she attacks him. And then on that, you know, uh, one page, she says, uh, I will not be judged by you. And she kind of picks him up and takes him into the atmosphere. And I kind of think to myself, you know, when I think of Wonder Woman, I feel like all those things, you know, uh, Batman said would have gotten under her skin, but she would have realized, you know, at some point it was because what he was saying was true that she had, you know, gone way over the line here, but she never realizes I went over the line. And that's where I thought they, they really like, that was the moment she should have had for her redemption moment. She could have said, you know what, you're right. And she never does. Yeah. But if you, and if you look, she's actually raised, raising her sword in the corner of that page. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah, she's she's ready to kill him too, and it's just like, you know, Superman, Batman, Wonder Woman. The the three of them were just like they're supposed to be like, you know, uh, the the biggest, the best heroes that you know DC has to offer, and you know, at their core, really good people, and that they'd almost kind of keep each other in check and in line. And she's just not having it with Superman or with the uh, you know Batman here. And I was just like, yeah, that was her moment right there where she should have been like, you know what, you're right. And could have joined the, uh, the the fight to be like, hey, let's let's end this in a good way instead of killing. But, you know, <laughs> then this is where they see the uh, the bombers coming too. that's an interesting page there, too, where she's, you know, has a Batman up in the air and you can see the bombers coming. And it's just like, you know, they, they know that there's going to be big trouble here. Right. Yeah. And Ross doesn't get enough credit as a colorist because the the switch from the heavy colors of the battle to this sudden beauty of a blue sky with a layer of clouds underneath mm -hmm. is so it's, it's so um, the contrast is so stark that it's shocking as a reader. Like you, you like see the page you come and you're like, oof, and you know, immediately you're kind of in this different place. And it's, and it is, it is a nice little bit of thematic work because this is where they get their clarity. Like they, they finally move above the fray and and Wonder Woman, you know, at least comes to a small realization of like, don't let the bomb drop, you know, or don't, you know, do something. And and so though the coloring in those pages is beautiful and I and I think is important because it it gives a beat of peace before the big bomb. Mm, yeah. And then we go right back to Superman and uh, Captain Marvel here. And that is really crazy too. like Superman starts blasting the crap out of him with his heat vision. And like really hurting him. But then he, uh, you know, he gives it the Shazam and the lightning comes down and he really starts like zapping the crap out of Superman here. And at some point, you know, some of the other uh, heroes and I guess you would say villains as well that are fighting, take notice to this going on. And they just kind of turn and look like they're even like, holy crap, like what's going on here? 
that's a really powerful scene there to show that, you know, again, Superman is Superman. He's like, you know, the top guy, but even uh, he can be affected by this, you know, let's just, I guess, you know, call it, you know, magical lightning, right? <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not a big fan of, of the way, and I think this might have been around about the time that this first started doing this, of using the lightning bolt as a, as a weapon. I mean, the idea that, okay, Shazam, sorry, Captain Marvel, God, they've got to me, Captain Marvel is <laughs> But the idea that he's so super fast that he can, you know, move out of the way of lightning that's been hurled down by the gods, or however it works, and they can therefore bash someone else again and again and again. I don't think that is how the lightning should be working at all. Mm. Yeah, go ahead. Oh, I, I just, I, I agree with Martin logically and conceptually, but I'm going to, I'm a total hypocrite because for me, it's the rule of cool. This is such a <laughs> badass moment. It's, yeah. such, it's <laughs> such a badass move. Like the Shazam gambit, it is like, this is my favorite action moment in this series because i'd never like i just you know i don't think that's how the lightning should work either otherwise he would blow up his house every time he turns into shazam so i but i but it's such a it's such a cool moment to be like shazam 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 and just hating superman with magic that i don't i i i tell myself like don't worry about the logistics this is so awesome Mm. And right when that's starting to get good, they switch back to the air where it's, you know, <laughs> Batman and Wonder Woman dealing with the uh, the bombers here coming with the nukes. Uh, what do you think of those uh, couple of pages, Ross? Oh, I liked it. I, it's, it's, I do like the juxtaposition of the upper above the clouds where it's white, it's blue and beautiful and you've got the planes coming. Mm-hmm. It's 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 a nice sec- it's action sequence. I love the planes. I like I do like Batman's armor a bit. It's a good toy design. It really because I had the action figure for years <laughs> that mm, they made of this, cool. and it is really much. It looks like a toy design, um, but it's good. I like it. Is the bomb supposed to look like the burn Superman rocket? Mm, Ooh, good question. Interesting. It does. Oh my I god! Mean, it totally does. You're right. Great catch. That is absolutely the burden. Superman rocket. Good catch. Yeah, I think because the bomb has to be able to kill him. Yeah, that's a nice bookend, right? It's the bomb. It's the, the rocket brings him to Earth, and this is the this is the rocket that'll take him out. That's a good catch. Yeah, I just uh, it never it never really popped out to me until I was reading it this time that it's like okay, because you see it in the first time you see the plane as it's strapped to the bottom of the plane. Mm-hmm. You can almost yeah. see the shape, and then I was reading it, notice it, but yeah. I, I, that I liked. I went, okay, if you're going to kill Superman, use his own rocket. Yeah, I think yeah. it's it's neat, too, that there's, you know, there's three bombers, but there's only Batman and Wonder Woman up there. So two out of the three, they take them out. But that third one does end up, you know, dropping a bomb. And Norman sees it and he just goes, no. And then, again, they do switch right back to the Superman Captain Marvel. And Captain Marvel, man, he looks pretty sadistic here. Obviously, his brain's been, you know, worked pretty bad here, but... You know, Superman, he's bleeding out of his eyes, his ears, like he's he's in bad shape. And he says, enough. And Shazam has this really evil look on his face. I mean, I'm sorry, Captain Marvel. And he says, Shazam, to get him you know, zapped again. And that's when Superman just quick grabs him and pulls him close. And he changes back into Billy. And uh, this is a really good scene here uh, with uh, the two of them. I, I really like this where they, they, you know, Superman has his hand over his mouth to stop him from saying Shazam again. And, you know, Superman's ears are bleeding, but he uh, looks up and he sees the bomb coming down. And this is where the Spectre and Norman really come into play here. The Spectre says it is time. And Norman says, what? 
and a specter. I love how he's drawn there. We just see like the top, you know, right quadrant of his face and his eye, and you see a skull in his eye, and it's really, really super creepy. I, I really like this scene coming up here. What do you think, Mark? I, I love. I mean, I love the amazing perspective on the specter standing above the crowd, and mm. yeah, the skull in the eye, which we've seen a couple of times earlier in the in the in the series as well. And he says, he's saying, hey, you know, judgment has come, Norman McKay, the hour tools, our entire journey has brought us to this moment. So this has to be at least as important as the moment when Superman is is at the UN. But yeah, two two moments of judgment. Uh, it's it's incredible, but it's like, how slow, how slow is this rocket? I mean, I know Superman has to <laughs> be, but it's like Batman and Wonder Woman having big, big chats while he's approaching them, and having all these arguments and debates while he's hit, coming towards the Earth. I suppose you could say Norman and the Spectre are in Spectre time, but it's like so much talking. Yeah, I wondered if it was supposed to be like, you know, a moment, this moment with the Spectre and Norman we're seeing is like, you know, between... Uh, two seconds on a clock instead of over a certain amount of time. Like almost like it's a time has been slowed down intentionally for that. Cause I thought, yeah, like uh, I think the bomb would have hit by now. They, they fall really fast. I would always took it as the stuff that's happening with Superman and the stuff that's happening with Batman and wonder woman are happening simultaneously. We're just mm-hmm. jumping to, we're jumping back and forth in the same moment. It's not mm-hmm. a progression of time. This that's all happening in the same two, 10 or 15 seconds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I we're jumping from it bit by bit, like you would in a movie, where you yeah. would stay, you would stop paying time, because like in a movie, it's like when you need to get somewhere fast, it takes you ten seconds, mm-hmm. even if you're on the other side of the world. But if there's a bomb countdown, when it says thirty seconds, it takes ten minutes. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's mm-hmm. Ferris Bueller running through the backyards while the principal's <laughs> driving and you know yeah. keeping pace with him. <laughs> I, I do um, I do think it's cool because. This is the second time we've seen the Billy mouth grab because Bruce does it too, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when he, and that big reveal when it's like, oh, this has never been Captain Marvel. This has always been Billy Batson. And, and it's kind of cool because it's like, no one ever listens to Billy. Like Billy becomes Captain Marvel because he's the best of us, right? He's innocent. He's, he's helpful. He's, you know, and, and again, by 90 standards, maybe corny, but if you don't listen to him, like the real danger, you get you have you have to listen to good people because they have good things to say. And so I do love this moment because it's the it's so interesting that you know the the crisis is happening and Superman is paralyzed by indecision. I don't know what to do. Wonder Woman acts. The UN is paralyzed by indecision. I don't know what to do. That the the man you know that we talked about acts, and you know the it, it's it's that's that old thing right about like the the worst of us are are emboldened while the best of us are paralyzed with indecision like i think that's playing out here and it's why norman doesn't judge in this moment either he's paralyzed as well but i i do i do think superman turning to billy in this moment is the like embracing humanity like it allows for norman to talk him off the ledge later like it's it's embracing the humanity but man what a risk like what if mr mind is still at the wheel like what like it's a big risk he's taken <laughs> I mm, was yeah. saying that Superman doesn't see himself as human. Then that he sees himself as as a, so much, so much an alien, so much a god. Because later, in, later in the book, or at various points in the storyline, Alex Ross seems to be going, and Mark Wade seems to be going for the idea that you know Superman is a simple farm boy who just wants to be a Kansas farmer, and that doesn't seem to sort of 
go alongside the idea that he sees himself as so far apart from humanity that he has to let Billy, who in fact has been, you know, tied to gods for all his life, half his life, make the decision. I I I get that. I see that too. I had a why is Superman all of a sudden an alien? Because one of the best I my favorite portrayal of Superman is when Superman's a disguise. Clark is real. Mm-hmm. You know, I I prefer my Superman like that. That Superman's the costume. Yeah. Clark Kent is the man. And he sees himself as a man. Like an orphan adopted child sees. You know what I mean? He's adopted by the planet. Mm-hmm. But I think in this one, at that moment, I think when I read this, and it's that moment, he really can't make the decision because it was his fault all this stuff happened. It has to be... Billy, it has to be the real human, the real person. You know, I think he, I think, and that, I think that's the point they're doing. Does it work? No, because it is, you know, we all thought, well, why is he doing this now? Why is he an alien? He hasn't acted that way for three issues. Well, he, he kind of has, though. Like, I, I think about the first time we see him, um, he's, he's on quote unquote on the farm, right? He's in the overalls and he's, you know, fixing the tractor and, you know, reminiscent of Superman, the, the movie. But that, but that farm is is fake. It's it's mm-hmm. you know it's computer generated. Like like he he went back to the trappings of humanity. He went back to what he thought he uh, knew. Okay, but yeah. He was but playing he... a part, and the the lack of the glasses I think is a big thing. Like uh-huh. he like what makes him Clark Kent is those glasses come on. He's Clark Kent. You're right. I agree with you. Clark Kent is the man. You know, it's, it, and the man is more important than the super. And and normally I think for the majority of his life. He does see himself as human and where the, the 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 ultimate sign of how lost he is in this mini is he he's so disconnected that he doesn't even see himself as a part of the very planet that took him in that usually he loves and wants to return that love to. And so he abdicates the decision, which, again, is a sign that he's not quite where he needs to be yet. You know, he he really leaving it up to Billy is both a powerful moment metaphorically, but also a little cowardly i don't i like i don't know it's 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 hard to say well i think you can get a couple of interpretations i think you're that one spot on you i i can't do it you have to do it and the other is him and billy have both kind of done the same thing you know what i mean mm-hmm. billy's been brainwashed into doing it but he's become something he shouldn't be and he's saying i he could because we don't have a uh because it's not spoken word, you know what I mean? We can't get an inflection. Is he's saying, no, Billy, this is the way you can read. Could he infer in that line, the the words he's saying, that you should do this? Mm-hmm. But as, as our Billy says, what a ridiculous gamble. In this storyline, all Superman's interactions with Billy has shown him to be, uh, well, not out of his mind, but not in his right mind. And he's he's got the emotional <laughs> intelligence of... A kid here, he's not thinking straight. He's been in, in Luth, under Luther's thumb. He's got, a, well, Superman doesn't know, but he's got a worm in his ear. There hasn't been a glimmer of to make Superman think that Billy might be coming out of this and be able to make this kind of decision. The yeah, cowardly of Superman, but so blooming stupid. And Superman <laughs> will just react. Superman sees a bomb coming towards people, he stops the bomb. That's it. 
Mm. Yeah, I, I don't think he's like I said, I, I think that the point you're right, Martin. I agree with you. But I think the, the in the story that, you know, they would say, oh, he's, he's not quite back to himself yet. But it is. A, it's such a big risk. It's so big. And it's, you know, I think it's interesting, too, because every time we see Billy in this comic, he's in black. He's in black mm-hmm. Adam colors, you know, like like there's a like he's like sort of the dark side of of Captain Marvel. And so it's nice to have him, you know, go out in the red as the big red cheese, you know, to go out in the red and the and the gold and the white, you know, and and then to use the Shazam gambit to save uh, is a really nice moment as well. But, yeah, it's a hard moment for me because it is I I think it's cowardly. I I think Superman puts the responsibility for it on a kid, basically, and a broken mind. Yeah. You know, and, and I and that's, again, I think part of what drives just one more bad decision on his part is part of what drives his complete break where he goes to kill humans, thankfully is pulled back. But I think that's, you know, the, the one more step towards it. Yeah. The thing about, you know, Billy, you know, Billy using the Shazam Gambit again. So have I got this right? So he, he, fly, he flies up and rather than stop the bomb, he makes the bomb worse with his lightning. He sets the bomb off himself. Well, he sets it off higher. Like, like I think, I think he knows... Like there's no getting around the bomb, but by if he can set it off higher in the atmosphere, it'll, it'll do less damage, damage, which is is wonky science. <laughs> it isn't because nuclear bombs don't hit the ground. They yeah, blow exactly. up and they, they blow up <laughs> several miles above you. It takes more damage up yeah. there than it does on the ground. Like to me, I, I don't <laughs> you know, he his the decision he made was let's kill them all. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I want to ask someone because I'm I'm not the biggest Shazam fan prior to Ordway series really. Yeah, me too. I know I was I was you know I was a teenager when it first it came back and stuff like that. So it was kind of kiddie comic, you know. You're a teenager, you don't want to read that. I like the idea that when he says Shazam, he's still Billy inside the body. I prefer it over the old, because the old fashioned way was Billy's a kid, Shazam's a man, and they're diff, two different people. Is that way it was in the old, before post crisis yeah, or when DC did it? Well, that, that's the way it should be. I do not like the idea that Billy is a kid in the man's body because that that just makes it seem, you know, talking to us, you know, when he's, when he's interacting with people, that would make him seem like he's a little, well, maybe has learned learning difficulties or something. Whereas, you know, the idea was it originally, you know, Billy, Billy was the boy and Captain Marvel was perhaps the older version of Billy, but certainly, you know, they, they, they had, you know, they thought of themselves as different people. Billy was always referring to Captain Marvel as a separate person and vice versa. And I don't understand why they had to change it. So that if they thought, I mean, I love the Power of Shazam, absolutely wonderful series. There's been some great Captain Marvel stories over the years, but no, Billy and Captain Marvel should be separate. Yeah, that's how I look at them. Yeah, I I just think I understand why they do it. It's gives you ability to do better. You, if your character is always the same, and then I think in more modern comics they want to give their characters change. It was a way to give to create an ability to give them story arcs or growth or whatever. Cause mm-hmm. I mean, I only know him as that because I really, I can go back and look at an old golden age, uh, Captain Marvel go, that's an entertaining comic, but it doesn't engage me because it's written for like seven, you know, I'm six, I'm almost 60. You know, I don't have, I don't have a nostalgia to, for more traditional Captain Marvel. 
because well, I didn't well, read it when I I didn't read it at the I didn't read it when it would have been imprinted on me. Yeah, but because because it wasn't for you as you are now, doesn't mean that we shouldn't have a character who is that kind of wish fulfillment thing for little kids, where you know little kids think, I wish I was a grown up, I wish I was a superhero. Yeah. Oh no, I, I get that. I just yeah. I don't ha I don't have a point of reference for it to me See, because I've never those I just saw those as kind of because older comics are sometimes a little more I hate to use the word disposable. You know, each one's its own little thing. So I just have never. I mean, I like it, but I've never been engaged to it. So I, and I just don't have a point of reference to that, to where I kind of go how it works. Yeah, it's that's kind of the thing, because it was I didn't read it. If I had read that when I read my first Legion when I was a little kid, it would have imprinted on me and I would have gotten it. I just don't think you get older. It just doesn't doesn't click. I mean, so I just so when the whole reason I asked is because that taints the way I read this. You know, I don't think mm -hmm. I'm reading a real bill. You know, I, I think that makes it harder for me. It, it, it just. It taint, I don't think it's his real Shazam because I don't think it works. You know? Yeah, I see what you're saying, Ross. It's more I, Miracle Man than it's more Miracle Alan, more Miracle Man than it is Shazam, Captain Marvel. Yeah, I see what you're saying because I, I same thing. I did not have much experience with pre-crisis Billy, and so for me, Billy, shit, when when he turns into Captain Marvel, he's still Billy. Like, yeah. It, so that's my that's my default setting as well. So I, I, I've read him as Billy in that moment too. So yeah, it is, it, it's, it's, it's interesting. It's, you know, they, I guess they had to fudge the logistics a little bit to make the themes work, but you know, it's, it's an interesting look at him. And, and it just reminds me, I don't know if anybody else, did any of you read the, the Twilight of the Gods, Alan Moore proposal that he had brought to DC in the eighties for, for so long, so long. Yeah. It's, it's this pr written proposal. You can find it on the internet. And and DC eventually goes this direction because if he breaks the heroes up into houses, there's like the house of the of L, there's the house of the bat, you know, the house of Wonder Woman, and you know, there's this sort of big war. And, and the the whole story opens with with a, a very weird depiction of Billy Batson that is oh, super don't, troubling. Don't and go no, I'm not. I'm not. That's not where it's where I'm going to leave it. And so <laughs> I was really glad to have this book. I, I almost feel a little bit like Mark Wade was like. No, that's not Billy Batson. This is Billy Batson. I, I kind of liked having that redemptive moment, but it's so powerful, you know, that he he flies up and and the the beautiful depiction of the bomb. I mean, it's it's sad mm. to say it, but that's a beautiful page. That full page, you know, splash page of the bomb is really lovely, and then the full splash page of the skeletal remains is haunting. Oh man, yeah, that is uh, really really somber moments here. I'm glad they, you know, the first time I read this. I thought, oh, they're not going to leave it like this, are they? And <laughs> thank God they didn't. But yeah, that that page is really, I mean, it, the previous two pages, I mean, you see the mushroom cloud and then you see, you know, Norman and the Spectre and the Spectre just says judgment. And uh, you see uh, Superman then kind of crying out. And like you said, you flip to the next page and there's just all these uh, dead heroes there. And some of them, there's nothing left but their skeletal remains. It's oh, it's really, really creepy. And this is where Superman goes a little nuts, though, right? Yeah, but it, it, I think this goes back to what, what Sean was saying about how Alex Ross is a superb colorist because previously in the book, we've, in this issue, we've had all the amazing, amazing sort of light lights, people lit by different light sources of beams and blasts and this and the other. And here it's monochromatic, apart from the little bit of color in Superman's logo. And yeah, he's he's raging to the heavens and he is probably at this point going a little mad because 
then you get over the page Superman standing up like maybe like the sound Superman in the 70s being born but and then <laughs> yeah what's become this this terrible modern cliche but it wasn't back then the raging red eyes and him shooting off towards the UN it's incredibly scary trio of panels mm. Yeah, you're not kidding. And then we do see there were some survivors, though, right, uh, uh, Sean? Yeah, yeah, which is good. I mean, I I don't know how you can take anything good away from this scene, but it's it is nice that there's some survivors because it leaves a you know a, a, one a little glimmer of hope, but two, it it just resets the problem. You know, when they go to the UN, Batman's like, we we have the same problem. Like, there's enough of us left that it could you know we haven't really settled anything, and so they have to settle it and. I'm glad Martin mentioned that I always call them the burn eyes, um, not B-Y-R-N-E, but, you know, from the Alan Moore, the man who has everything, you know, now they use it to indicate Superman's mad, um, you know, and, and again, the, this, this is such a funny moment because Spectre's like, all right, I'm out, <laughs> like, like <laughs> bye Norman, like, he's like, I mean, literally, he might as well just be like, bye-bye, you know, T-T-F-N, and Norman's like, what the hell, like, no, and, and I love that Norman lays into the specter like mm-hmm. you know he's done he's not going to quell his voice he's not indecisive anymore he knows what's about to happen and he's like i don't i may have been a frail old man but i'm going to go stop the world's most powerful person get me to the un now and i i like that too i like the um I, i'm jewish and so my entire religion is based on yelling at god <laughs> and so i like <laughs> <laughs> i like the fact that norman lights into the specter you know in order to to make this decision like it's yeah. like Finally, it's ready for action, you know? Yeah, right. He deserves it. At the bottom of that page, is that the UN drawn as the Hall of Justice? Yep. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Also, if you notice at one point, when you look at the U, instead of the UN logo, it's the Justice League logo. Instead of the words in it, it has the globe in it. It's uh, the yeah. Justice League shield. Oh, the guy who, who orders the bombs is off his door, isn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, yeah, like you said, Superman goes nuts here. And I like the touch of... Uh, all the people at the UN running because uh, Superman's going berserk and it's all in there. And, you know, the, 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 the speech bubbles are all in their uh, uh, native tongue there. That's great. <laughs> I like that. Really fun stuff. But yeah, Superman's going crazy. But yeah, we get Norman here and uh, he really kind of starts, you know, talking to Superman here. And, you know, he says to him, do you really, or, I'm sorry, he goes, do you really think he's mad at them? He's raging at himself. And this goes back to what you had said earlier, Sean, how he's like, He's mad at himself, but he was going to make them pay for him, him being mad at himself until uh, Norman kind of intervenes here. And like you said, he calls him Clark. He doesn't call him Superman yeah. or anything like that. He calls him Clark to try to talk to him here. I, I think that was a great job by Wade. I think that's the most important word balloon in this whole book is when Superman's like a distaff god looking down on the puny mortals and about to crush them, that that Norman doesn't appeal to him as superman he calls him clark he calls him his human name he calls him his name which is really his name like we've been saying he he is human and that for me like right there i was like oh my god wade and ross are so good <laughs> yeah yeah but, and i like that theme though that is you know you don't you don't want you have to forgive yourself before you can ask someone else to forgive you yeah you know you if you don't understand what you've done and cop to it you know and be and have you know, re- regret or, you know, want to, you know, want to, but you got to forgive yourself. And I like that thing. I like, I love, I love this moment with him and um, Norman. Uh, yeah. Norman. Yeah. Yeah. It's a really, really good scene here. And then, you know, some of the other heroes start showing up as well. And uh, there's Diana. And uh, <laughs> all of a sudden it's kind of weird. Like, you know, she went from this, you know, raving lunatic to 
I, I'm assuming just, you know, the point at which they saw Captain Marvel, you know, basically take the bullet for everyone, you know, maybe that kind of turned her around. But yeah, just like you said, there, there was no moment for her where she just, you know, it's just at the snap of a finger. She's like, oh, I'll docile now. And it's just kind of weird. You know, other than that, though, uh, I think this is a, a pretty good uh, ending here before the, uh, you know, there's a, there's there's an ending ending. But <laughs> this is kind of the ending to the big story here before uh, we see something at the end that's like a little more lighthearted, which I, I'm so glad they did this. Yeah. And, and I want to just get back to something Ross said really quickly, because he was mm-hmm. saying, you, you know, you can't forgive others unless you forgive yourself. And I do think this is an ending about forgiveness because yeah. Soup Clark has to forgive the man. You you can't forgive the super. There's super supposed to be perfect. And he's but he's not the man's the important part. And he has to forgive himself. He has to forgive the the people who made the decision, you know, to support Magog, you know, way back when. It, and and they all have to sort of forgive each other if they're gonna move forward. And I and I do love that it's Clark decisively who says, no more you know, gods and men, no more heroes and and civilians. We're all here together. We're all of this together. We're only going to figure it out together. And I, that for me rang so beautifully. And, and I, it's funny, I don't know if I understood it as well. And when I read it in you know the nineties, as I do now, because I think a lot about like, you know, I think a lot about like the metaphor we use for America, America used to be the melting pot, right? And it was like, everybody would come and meld together. But that implies that like, there's only one kind of soup and now the metaphor is this idea of like a salad bowl, basically, of like everybody comes together and they maintain their own ideas and cultures, but they add to the overall flavor of the of the meal. And I I, I think that's kind of where this ends of, of like, hey, we're all still who we are, but we're all going to be in it together, not try to force, you know, our views on each other. And I, I don't know, in 2023, that hit me a lot harder. Yeah. Yeah, Superman says, we will no longer impose our power on humanity. We will earn your trust using the wisdom one man left as his legacy. And he's uh, holding uh, Captain Marvel's cape there. That's really good. It is. But I, I mean, I, I suppose I'm, I'm just cynical, really, because it just seemed too easy at that, that moment. It just, you know, it's like, as you were saying, I think, Billy, that, you know, Diana is suddenly back to being by their side, all calm. Mm-hmm. Superman speaking for everybody. It's still, I mean, I think I was chatting about this with Billy on episode three. It just irks me that you have people like, I think, I think it's Jade standing there, Alan Scott. No, no one apart from the, the main, the few main characters gets to speak in this. You know, you have these, these powerfully personality heroes who just don't get a say in it. Everyone just leaves it to Superman to speak for them or, or whatever. And this idea that, you know, Billy had this great wisdom, it's like, at this at that point, the wisdom the wisdom was gone. I don't mm-hmm. know. It's nice, it's nice to get to an ending, and, and but to me, it's like that within a week, it will all be happening again. <laughs> yeah. Well, that What's page it? I was just yeah, that page I was just reading from there too. It just kind of struck me the way Ross drew Superman there when he's saying that. He reminds me the way he's drawn. I can't remember the artist's name from like the, I think it was like in the 50s. Wasn't that one artist that drew Superman kind of more barrel chested like that? Wayne Boring. Boring. Yeah, Wayne Boring. It kind of reminded me of that. I thought, oh, I wonder if that's what he was going for there. It really, really looks like it. Yeah, there's also a bit of a Gil Kane nostril shot in the first panel. (laughs) (laughs) There is, yeah. (laughs) Yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, there is, yep. Oh, yeah. And then, you know, a scene outside the UN there and, then uh, we see uh, Norman and the Spectre, and the Spectre they uh, kind of look at each other and kind of walk away. And uh, there's a <laughs> there's a scene here where it says, "Time folds forward, healing has begun, 
and in the twinkling of an eye, great powers reconstruct in one, a once uh, stately manner. So uh, Batman uh, has uh, basically turned what was left of Wayne Manor into a uh, makeshift hospital here. And, you know, I guess this is where some of the, the people are. But uh, we see uh, Luthor's there, too, right? <laughs> this is a great scene. I love that because that's just like in, in, in the First World War in the UK, in the UK I don't know whether it happened around the world, but in the UK, an awful lot of stately manners, like Downton Abbey in the programme, were turned in, into field, well, not field hospitals, into hospitals for soldiers who came home with terrible injuries. And this is a real nice call out to that. Mm-hmm. What did you think of the, the Batman uh, talking to Luthor there? <laughs> That's great. Shazam, shut up. It's a great <laughs> shot. The facial expressions are awesome, and 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 there's a nice little moment right before that because he puts his hand on his son's shoulder. This is that's his son with Talia, mm-hmm. and and his son had definitely been more villainous. <laughs> He'd been more yeah. of an Al Ghul than a Wayne, and it's kind of nice to have that little moment of like you know. And then the the bat robots that were black that were patrolling yeah. Gotham like a fear state are now white. You know, so there's some cute touches here. Yeah, but but again, I mean, you know, the, the, you know, this version of Damien, obviously not called Damien here. But he's one of those characters I just want, wanted to see do something in the story. And, like, you know, the the, fla- the Flash, who's, you know, so fast and become, like, a god, the only Superman can hear him speak. There's, there's so many intriguing characters that Alex Ross, I think, has come up with. And they don't get to do anything. Mm-hmm. You do get more of, of Bruce's son in the sequel, Martin. In this, in the, he gets his own one shot. And and so you learn a lot about him. About um... I've, read all, I've read all of those, Sean. But oh, you like, did? Yeah. Yeah, they should get to do something here. Yeah, it is. It would be nice to see more. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then Diana, uh, she goes back to Paradise Island here, I guess, and everything's all A-OK with her now, too. It's like, uh, what? She becomes queen. Yeah, I'm just like, what's going on here? Why? (laughs) Why all of a sudden does everybody think she's cool? I'm thinking she had a really bad part in this. And like there was just, I don't know. That was a a little strange. And the depiction of her when she has the crown on, she's got some resting bitch face going on. Like that is not, <laughs> I would, I was like, Oh, she does not look like she's changed. Like I still feel like no. she's sword through me. <laughs> yeah. So I kind of thought too, like, uh, I don't know about that part. So I, of, of all the things that went on in all four issues, I feel like the, the one constant that was something I didn't care for. I, I think could, I shouldn't say don't care for, I think could have been done better is definitely uh, Diana here for sure. Can mm. I ask a question? The, yeah. the below that panel where they're talking about Diana being a teacher now it says across the world roles um, are embraced, new alliances forged. Who and, and they show humans? Um, I, I just I'm not I'm missing it. Who are they zeroing in on? Who's the man in the suit? Alan it's Scott. Alan. There. Yeah, it's Alan mm-hmm. Scott. He's got a ring on his finger. Oh, it's Alan Scott. Okay. Mm-hmm. And he's got green lantern buttons on his suit. Oh, there you go. I missed <laughs> the detail. Okay, yeah, that's wild. What, what, what do we think new or would have been? Oh, new Oa. Yeah, that's, yeah. yeah. I guess oh, that is weird. That's interesting. Yeah. Maybe it's a, a, yeah, I don't know. Maybe it's the, there's, because it's implied, I think, in the, in the sequel that he builds a palace on the moon. Maybe that's it. Oh, uh, okay. And in, in, the, in the first panel on this page, I think it's, I think it's Magog who's pushing a wheelchair. Is that the Donna, is that Donna Troy? Because Donna Troy, of all the designs in the book, she had the worst costume. Oh, by far. Ugliest, ugliest costume. That's improvement <laughs> if it is her. I'm not sure who that is. Yeah, I don't. I like. I think Magog is funny because I mean they're not even trying to hide that he's Cable in this. Like it's. I mean, it's one thing when he has the helmet on, but here it's like, oh, Cable. Cable just popped into Kingdom Come. That's cool. (laughs) Yeah, absolutely. Oh yeah, for sure, for sure. But then there's another quick scene here of uh, 
you know, Superman uh, at uh, a memorial here. And uh, Diana flies in here and has a moment with him and she brings him something and uh, she goes, it's something to help you see more clearly. And, you know, it's his, uh, his uh, typical like uh, round glasses there. I, I really like that scene. But they have a, they share a kiss there and she Ugh. goes, take care, Clark. And he goes, take care, Diana. And they act like <laughs> everything's cool. Like, yeah, it's weird. But the idea that she can come here and tell him, you know, you're not seeing clearly, you have the glasses, just... That's ballsy. <laughs> I'm swearing, but she has not earned this right. Yeah. Yeah. That was, yeah. like I said, Wonder Woman throughout this whole thing was just, I, I don't think they ever got her, her tone right. Uh, it's just uh, just uh, the anomaly for me. But everything else I'm, I'm pretty cool with, but that was just kind of weird. Billy, I feel like she... Oh. He snogs the woman. <laughs> Yeah, I I like to think it. I, she's wearing the Laurel Kent poncho, so <laughs> you know maybe he couldn't resist. Um, <laughs> it, it, speaking of the Legion, I I don't think that I don't know if Ross was going for this, but it it Clark creating markers for all the people who died reminds me of the Element Lad, you know, creating oh, on yes. prom <laughs> for everybody who, who yeah. was killed by. Racist. So I thought that was I don't know if that was done on purpose, but I, I if it was, it was a nice touch. Could have, yeah, so I, I just, I just misnamed Element Lads Planet. It wasn't, it wasn't what Dax Hammer was. It was what where did Element Lads come from? Trump, yeah, Trump. I apologize. I just didn't want to let my mistake go by without being corrected. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, we got a final scene here with uh, Norman and the Spectre as well, and uh, he, uh, Norman, looks at him and says, "All the sins have been exposed, Spectre. Tell me, in the end, who do you punish? Who is responsible for what has happened?" And he goes. No one needs suffer any further for the tragedies we have witnessed. Norman McKay, do not mock me. And he says, I'm not. I'm merely wondering. When you first appeared before me, you said you needed a human soul to be your anchor. And yet, you yourself were once an ordinary man. Tell me, what would his perspective have been? And he uh, you know, takes his uh, hood off here and says, an excellent question. And then uh, we do switch to uh, Norman back in his uh, church here. You know, and he's uh, he's basically... Yeah, it actually kind of looks like Colonel Sanders here, uh, but <laughs> he he does kind of change. And, you know, uh, rather than talking about, you know, fire and brimstone, he's it, it kind of, you know, changed to more of a, you know, a, a loving way of uh, uh, talking to uh, the, the people in his congregation here. And it's, it's you know, full congregation, too. He's, he's got a packed house now. <laughs> and then the specters in the in the church there, which is wild. Yeah, Jim Corrigan's right at the front. Mm-hmm. Yep. And then, uh, like we said, I, that was that was a good end. If it would have just ended there, that would be fine, too. But I love the one year later here. This I love that they inserted this after everything's kind of over, you know, and, and really Ooh. final, final. What about Can we that? pause? Can we pause sure. for a second? Uh -huh. um, I, I just want to say I think it's really lovely that that the entire mini ends on Norman saying grace be with you all. Mm, like, I think that's yeah. really cool. Like, I, I like, you know, I, I just thought that was a neat way to end. So. Yeah, it. It, it is. Yep. Yeah. And like I said, it could have ended there, but what I, I'm interested to hear what you guys think of the, the one year later here scene. So uh, what, Ross, what are your thoughts on this? I have as it, it really, it's a nostalgia. Th they're poking fun at something that was new then, I guess, like planet Hollywood and mm -hmm. the other ones. Um, the, what's the one with the guitar? Um, oh, hard rock cafe, hard, hard rock. rock cafe, all these yeah. theme disgusting restaurants and i like that they poke fun of it it's fun i think i found this more funny now looking back at that trend of all the kind of kitsch restaurants 
So mm-hmm. I, I thought it was a funny. I think it was, I understand what they're going for to just have a warm ending because the story is so heavy. Yeah. 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 So it's, you, I, you know, it's kind of funny. I don't know if it really adds or take or even takes away from the story. It's just kind of there. I absolutely love. I mean, I I, I love the, the fun of the restaurant scene, the dialogue, the jokes, the costumes. Yeah. <laughs> if I were if I were a billionaire investor, I would have got on the phone to Alex Ross and said, "Design me a restaurant immediately." But <laughs> I just my stomach is just turns turns by the idea that a Clark is with Wonder Woman, and b she's pregnant by him. It's where's that come from? It's horrendous. Mm. Yeah, I I. Well, one, I think we should let listeners know just in case if they're reading the original mini, uh, that scene is not in issue four. Yeah, they added it on, I think. Yeah, right? it's in the, in the trade. Yeah, yeah, it's in the trades and it's in the so so it's not in issue four. If you're if you're like, wait, what are they saying? What? Where? Are they? So um, but it, yeah, I I have to say I love this book and I you know, I don't want to disparage the creators at all, but it, it, it the Wonder Woman, Superman kiss marriage baby feels like ross just giving himself fan service like mm-hmm. like you like i've always wanted them to be together you know so i'm gonna make it happen here and it it's i don't it, it feels kind of um and i felt this way with new 52 when they put them together it kind of it's childish it's like yeah. um you know mom and let's get mom and dad kissing together and it's like no if you think of them as who they really are as characters they would never be anything but friends and and it doesn't it, it like it just does i don't know it it, it feels fan servicey so i i don't love it either but i can let it go because the rest of the mini is so great yeah well, i love yeah the, the three of them at the table and they the, the aquaman waiter comes over and says may i bring you something to drink and diana says water's fine and clark of course says milk and batman <laughs> says coffee and keep it coming <laughs> <laughs> I, oh. I just put the same for the for the Easter egg, you know, things things like that. Uh, you got you got in, in one of one of the cases you got uh, the suit that one of the Blackhawks wore when he was the listener, Olaf or whoever it was. You got the Chief's action chair from the Doom Patrol by the Cosmic Dreadhill. I mean, you know, you you could just pour over that for about an hour, just enjoying the gags, the, the Easter eggs. Mm, and then the waiter comes up and says, hi, I'm Robin. And Batman, of course you are. And what are you ready? To, are, are you ready to order? What do you recommend? Today's special is Power Girl Chicken Sandwich. And Batman, the cut. <laughs> and he goes breast. And he goes, I also recommend <laughs> Dial H for Hoagie. <laughs> it's fantastic. So many good little references. in it's great. I'll just have a giant turtle soup. <laughs> <laughs> Does the uh, Power Girl Sandwich come with a Diet Coke? <laughs> then, then, then if you notice we have we have clark wanting the beef bourguignon which of course is direct reference oh, yeah. to the meal that was the favorite of his his when he was with Lois. in particular the first the first time that we ever saw or it was ever implied that they spent the night together on panel in this superman 296 to 299 the who took a super out superman storyline and he's looking down looking a bit a bit sad and the fact he's asking for beef bourguignon and while he's with Wonder Woman, mixed messages. Mm, there's the Starro casserole as well. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I love it. Yeah, so just a, a lot of the joking around and the, the things in the background, like on the one page previously, I think it was when they first came walking in, you saw uh, one of the uh, workers dressed as Batgirl reading a romance comic in the back there. Yeah, yeah. You- <laughs> it's fantastic i love it but yeah like you said the the whole they're having a baby thing is kind of like uh 
I almost thought they should have had her and Bruce have the baby. <laughs> that would have been more likely, I felt. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I think I think there's also a lot of uh, DC staffers in the background. Oh, like, yeah, I did read that too. Yeah, yeah, isn't there? Yeah. Yeah, that's fantastic. That's a great thing to do. I love when they do stuff like that and just have some in-jokes and everything. You know, I, I, I do really like that. I like that about Every time comics do that, I like that. But yeah, that's that's you know kind of where it ends. I mean, we do see Norman and the the Spectre here. They're also in the restaurant as well. And <laughs> he says, "That's the Spectre platter." And Norman says, "Look at it this way. It's flattering to be remembered somehow." And I like how Bruce kind of gives them a little look there as he walks by, as if he's like, hmm, "Who are those two? It's that's that's cool." Oh, really good stuff. So, yeah, I mean, overall, uh, you know, fi- final thoughts here. Uh, uh, offended from anybody who wants to jump in. Sean, you want to jump in here? Can I, can I, can I just say what actually one last Sure, Martin, absolutely. About, sorry, about this final page. I think it's lovely that as they go out in the final two panels, they don't just pass a, cop- pass a copy of Wiz Comics on the wall. They pass a copy of More Fun Comics number one, which, of course, was DC's first comic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, really neat there. And, and again, another good uh, good homage. You, if you take away the whole Superman and Wonder Woman having a baby part of the whole scene there, that's a really, really fun ending there. I like that they went lighthearted there. But uh, all right. Yeah, Any anything, uh, any final thoughts there, Sean? Yeah, I uh, one thank you so much for you know inviting inviting me to be part of the the group that's covering this. I love this work, and I've never had a chance to to talk about it uh, on a podcast before. And I just am so odd by what they were able to Wade and, and Ross were able to accomplish in four issues. You know, I mean, you have the huge operatic biblical themes. You know, you have these these you know this massive basic you know Christ redemption story. You have a you know all these big arcs these. these heroes these pillars that we love having fallen and and from you know losing faith and gaining faith back and these big themes and everything but it's it doesn't lose the character moments it doesn't lose like my favorite moments in this are the little moments are the the little bits of of character moments that shine through like you know that last page and norman you know finding his faith and the specter finding jim corrigan again and you know, it's it, there's just so so much in this. It's it's an inherently rereadable work because you could just pour over the art forever, and then you know the the writing is so brilliant. And I and I think it's really fascinating because while its creation was a response to the you know super extreme '90s in some way, I think its legacy is that at its core, the DC universe has always been about hope. It's always been about a, a hope for a brighter tomorrow, you know, look up in the sky, you know, and and it's it's what I think makes the DC universe special and and sort of bright, brighter and shinier in my mind in the Marvel universe, which I love still. But but it's what's what differentiates them from me. And so it, I feel like Wade and Ross really captured the core of DC in this book. And it's uh, it's so wonderful to revisit it and, and remember my you know, why I love this universe. What about you, Ross? Uh, I. It was nice to reread it. I do. I think it works so it works best if you read it out of just I'm just reading this right. It has nothing to do with anything before or after it, because I think it works best as this kind of closed off kind of story, because I do enjoy. I mean, I really it is beautiful. It is well written. It, It reads so well straight through. And and it holds up. I mean, this thing is what was it 95 it's almost 96 yeah so it's you know almost 30 years old mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I mean, it holds up. I mean, I, I like it. I really did enjoy reading it again. Yeah, it's really, and it's a breezy read, too, because there's a lot of, you know, huge splash pages uh, showing off uh, Alex Ross's work. So it's not it's not going to take you, you know, three days to read it or anything like that. It's a, <laughs> it's, a, it's a really breezy read. Now, the back matter that's in there as well, where it's like it explains who every character is and all the covers and different shots and stuff like that. That'll take you a while to get through, but... Uh, uh, there's just the four issues themselves. They're they're not bad. They'll you can you can get through it in pretty much you know a, a long afternoon. But uh, what about you, Mark? Yeah, what what, what the guy said. It's just uh, it's fantastic, fantastic to reread it. I mean, I'm still awed by the artistic vision of Alex Ross and the way Mark Wade manages to partner Alex Ross to give us such a well-realized story. I mean, as I've harped on at terrible length, I do have my problems with the portrayals of some of the characters. But as Ross said, you know, read it divorced from anything else. And it's a heck it's a heck of a read, real superhero epic. And again, as Sean said, it has informed, it has a legacy as to how it's been followed up on in different parts of the DC universe. I mean, the the, the Mark Wade Kingdom specials that came afterwards, pretty great. Forget I'd like to forget all the GSA stuff with with Gordon. <laughs> on and on. Just, I, mean, I was I just thinking the same thing, thing. Yeah, that you say, you know, on the one hand, bad sequels or things that spin out of things shouldn't diminish the original. But in my mind, I, I get I get Gog mixed up with I don't know. I just find Gog such a terrible character. <laughs> it's like I should leave him alone. Forget you know. For, just forget him. Let's just forget the whole thing. But yeah, it's been really really good fun reading the story again and it's been even better fun chatting about it with you sharp fellas and you know i hope people have enjoyed it mm, yeah and i just looked too because i haven't read the you know the sequel i just looked it's it is on the app i think it's a seven issue series if i'm not mistaken i think yeah, that's I, what it said i think there are two bookend issues and then there are a bunch of one shots that's focusing on characters of the, the the i mean the there's a freakazoid one, which is the the son of Plastic Man, and I think Frank quietly draws it, and that is one of my single favorite issues of all time. Oh, I need to read that then. Can oh, interesting. Out? Didn't yeah, they, they interesting. use that character Sean, somewhere else? The... Yeah, they eventually give him a son and 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 say yeah, they they kind of mimic it, but it never really went anywhere. But that that book is delightful. It's it's a total father-son story and frank quietly's art you know his, his bizarre art form fits Off, those characters yeah. perfectly yeah the character offspring oh offspring i'm sorry because was the cartoon i sorry i'm old offspring was the <laughs> character sorry sorry if i had yeah. said offspring originally i would have thought i made a mistake because I, I was referring to the 90s band so i would have gotten it wrong <laughs> way. yeah well i mean look, look, look looking at the app again what what issues we do have I remember that I actually adored the Planet Krypton issue haunted by Mark Witt and Barry Kitson. So I think I'll be having a reread of this after tea. Thank you for the reminder. <laughs> so fantastic. Well, that's uh, that's going to do it, guys. You know, this was a, a lot of fun. I, I liked uh, all of us coming together here for this uh, very last issue. This was a lot of fun. I, I really enjoyed having you guys on individually. And then, of course, as a group, too. It's, it's always tough to coordinate a big group, but uh, we eventually here made it happen. But. Uh, I thank you guys for, you know, making the time to do this. This was a lot of fun. Thank you for having us. Thank mm -hmm. you. It was a blast. Yeah, this was yeah. great. I appreciate it. So, 
Yeah. So if anybody's uh, looking for you guys out there, uh, Ross, uh, you're uh, on the socials, uh, JSA 4E, you know, stop, let's team up, right? Yeah. You can find me almost any of them by Googling either stop, let, uh, searching stop, let's team up or JSA 4E um, on all the different the hundred million social media things there are nowadays. <laughs> yeah, there there are quite a few to keep track yeah. of. Uh, and Mart, you as well, you know Martin Gray, or uh, on your uh, blog as well, right? Yeah, I've got my blog too, Dangerous for Girl. I'm I'm still on Twitter X, whatever it's called these days. Facebook, Blue Sky. And I have to say, I won't be giving any Blue Sky invitations to Diana Prince. <laughs> <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> Yeah, let's keep her off of there. <laughs> what about you, Sean? Yeah, I'm on uh, Twitter and and Blue Sky at Sean42AZ. And uh, that was really funny. Yeah, and I uh, just thanks again, Billy. I, I so appreciate you bringing us together to talk about this and, and coordinating everything. I know that's a ton of work and, and this was a lot of fun. Yeah, this was great. And I uh, look forward to, you know, possibly uh, doing a, a large story for, uh, you know, 2024, because this is a this is going to kind of be the, the end of the 2023 here. These uh, four episodes are kind of lead us uh, out of the year till everybody hears this one. It'll be probably closer to the holidays. But yeah, 2024, I'm hoping uh, we can all get together and uh, get maybe Terry to jump in with us as well uh, on a uh, a very uh, uh, large but popular and fun uh, Darwin Cook uh, story, and that's all. Awesome. <laughs> oh yeah. <laughs> so yeah, look. Hopefully, look forward to that in uh, 2024. You know, maybe not as uh, on schedule as uh, we've been, but maybe only like a quarterly thing. But uh, definitely want to try to do that one because uh, I've only gotten halfway through it, and I love it. And I've seen the animated uh, version. I love that too. So yeah, we're we're gonna hopefully talk that next year. But that's gonna. Uh, that's going to do it for uh, us in, in 2023. So once again, thanks, guys. I appreciate you doing this. Thanks very much. And Take care. Trophies. And with that, we are wrapping up the 2023 Season 2 for A World on Fire. I want to thank everybody that's been a part of this uh, journey. It's been a lot of fun. And definitely want to thank Ross, Mark, and of course, Sean for uh, jumping in here and talking all these cool comics with me and you know spreading the love for earth 2 and all other earths uh, for dc comics a lot of fun here and doing kingdom come here was great you know we're gonna try to you know cover that one big story next year that we talked about in the show um you know maybe quarterly and uh, keep on the lookout there might be a little bit of a holiday surprise as well uh, before the end of the year so uh, look for that on your podcatcher and once again thank you everybody for listening feedback and general support it's really really appreciated 